Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Jeff Johnson coming to you live from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me from the Australia, Nicole Halton from Inspired EC. How you doing, Nicole? I'm fantastic. How are I you see, doing? I'm doing great. I can see that uh, spring is starting to happen there. I see shoulders. You got your shoulders out. There are shoulders out. <laughs> it's actually, it's gone wild, actually. Spring, spring has been like summer. We've had some really hot weather. So we've already been at the beach and... All sorts of things, but yeah, it's nice. Well, that's great. I've I've seen Australia in the news twice here in the last week. Um, I want to see if the news stories I've seen have uh, have been news stories you've seen about Australia. Okay. One, there was news about an Australian dude who got attacked by a crocodile and fended it off by biting the crocodile in the eyelid. Okay, I didn't actually hear that story, but. Stories of crocodile crocodile attacks or near misses are pretty frequent. Yeah, so this guy he's and he's he's grappling and evidently he gets a bit of croc eyelid and uh, then Ew. the croc decided, hey, I'm out of here and left. So, uh, listeners, he's a very lucky man. Yeah, so listeners, this is the kind of advice you're not going to get on other early learning podcasts. If you're ever attacked by a crocodile, apparently biting the them in the eyelid is going to going to be a, a, a good strategy. The other story I saw, I didn't watch the video. Apparently there was video, a, uh, and I assume this was in Australia um, because there was a kangaroo involved. Um, a kangaroo was apparently trying to drown a dog. Um, and a yeah. guy jumped in and rescued the dog and beat up, I don't know, but the kangaroo would look pretty buff. I actually did see that one. And yes, we have some really buff kangaroos here. And we were actually camping once and we had our old dog with us, who's no longer with us. And all of a sudden there was like a whole bunch of kangaroos at our campsite and the dog starts barking at them and running towards them. I'm like, do not do that because when they stand up on their back legs, some of them were well over six feet tall. Like they're big animals. I think everyone thinks they're kind of like small and furry and cute and they're, they're just not. Yeah, they fucking got abs too. Yeah, they've got abs. There's some with like real abs and like big biceps Um, and they're aggressive. Like they can actually be quite aggressive. Not all of them, but different ones can be quite aggressive. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you have a, it's terrible. You have a a kangaroo with a six pack and, and, and biceps, I, I, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> terrifying. It's terrifying. I'd, I'd worry about that more than your spiders. And they and, kick. They kick yeah. really bad too. Like they're, yeah. they're good for a kick. So yeah, you want to stay clear. Yeah. They're like uh mixed martial arts badasses. You, yeah, they really you are. That. So important question I got to ask, Nicole, we asked about your favorite temperature last time. You're still mm-hmm. the, uh, 
the highest temperature. Um, really? And, yeah. And when I share, when I tell somebody, I, I share that with some people, they're like, who would pick? And I'm like, Nicole, Australian. Like, oh, okay. I understand. So uh, <laughs> we don't get cold. Like I, yeah. I was talking to someone the other day and it's like, it just doesn't get cold here, especially in Newcastle. It's like, if it gets down to 15 degrees Celsius, so I don't know what the conversion is there, but 15 degrees Celsius is like really, really cold here. Like I'm, I'm thinking this is awful. This is unpleasant. Um, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't get yeah, cold. So you, you get, it's, you get a different, different baseline. So um, Brett brought this question up and I find, I found it delightful. What is Nicole, what is your favorite direction? Direction, like yes. as in North, South, East and West? I'm just throwing the question out there. You left and right, like, what? How do I choose? What? All right. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say east because if I go east from here, from my house, I'll be at the beach. Oh, there we go. You're the first one that we had. Um, Brett's was left. Brett, Brett chose left. <laughs> That's um, what I was like. Is it left and right, or is it north, south, east, and west? Well, we've had we've had north. You're the first east. Um, Sam, the other day, Sam uh, pick, uh, selected uh, tear here as an opening something. Um, so that's a good direction. <laughs> I didn't like uh, being given a direction. Yeah, that's well, I, I I was out of town this last weekend, and I asked this of the uh, the attendees at the event I did. I asked them to share, and somebody somebody's favorite direction was some version of uh, go to bed, um, oh, like yeah, like nap one. time, like it's time for sleep. Oh, um, so, oh I'm yeah. a, I thought they meant like somebody giving them that direction, like yeah, go to bed. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's their, that's what they oh, like. Okay. They want to be told to go to bed. Um, so there's all kinds of different directions out there. Um, I, we might as well get this one over with. This is another hypothetical I've been asking about. Um, would you rather replace your tongue with fingers or your fingers with tongues? Uh, you can ask any questions if you need some clarification. I feel like probably it's going to look bizarre either way. Mm -hmm. If your tongue is replaced with fingers, well, that's in your mouth, you can keep your mouth shut. So you've kind of got, a, you can limit the bizarre. I suppose if your fingers are replaced with tongues, you could put gloves on. I don't know. I'm trying to think what the ramifications would be. I feel like if you've got a lot of tongues, like there's a lot of like your hands, if you're still using your hands for normal hand things, then mm -hmm. the tongues are going to, it's like, it's going to be a little gross. Yeah. They, they also, they also, we clarified this for others. Um, they also secrete some saliva to keep themselves moist. So the taste buds work, but they're not, they're not like drippy, slimy wet, but they're, Okay. No, I'm still going moist. replace the tongue with fingers. Okay. Okay. That seems to be the uh the option people are going with. Apparently they don't want to taste everything they they touch. So I just um, want to know, like, where does your brain go? Like it just goes to the most bizarre places. Thank and you. when? When does it go to those places? Is it just when you're out, like, on your beach walks? Is it, like, is it just a lack of other input that makes your brain go to those places? <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I lacking other stimulation? And so my brain... No, well, it's funny because I was actually listening to a podcast the other day and 
I can't even remember what podcast it was, but it was nothing to do with early childhood. But the person who was speaking was saying how they're trying to have more play in their life, like as an adult. And she said, you know, I really am trying to be more playful. So she said, I do these things where I, you know, like we'll just invent random games. So she said, you know, and one example was, um, would I wear that shirt? And she said, you know, you can play it in an airport. You can play it in a shopping center. She said, and all you've got to do is look at people and go, would I wear that shirt? And she said, it's not a judgment on what the person looks like. It's just whether you'd wear that shirt or not. And she said, it just makes your brain behave in different ways, this sort of playfulness. And so that's what makes me think, like she said, and she said the reason she's doing it is because she found that every time she went for a walk, and I know, I think you and I have talked about this before, but she went for a walk or she, you know, was doing something she always had like her earbuds in or she was on the phone or, you know, doing something else at the same time. And she said, Mm -hmm. so I just am trying to shut out the other stuff and see where my brain goes in like a playful kind of way. And I think that's kind of what your brain does. Yeah, but it happens a lot when I've got earbuds in as well. Um, (laughs) I'm just easily distracted by, by things. Um, And, and I've got a podcast to host. So there's got to be something to talk about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking about something, you've got something. You generated something to talk about. Well, this is going to be kind of a a two part mini series about e- environmental essentials for infant environments, and mm-hmm. uh, and these two two episodes we're going to do are going to be based on uh, on blog posts you did. You can find them over at inspiredec.com slash blogs. What I'm going to do, I'm going to try this out, see if it works. Um, when we talk about stuff and episodes, I'm going to start try to post the links um over at Playhaven with the episode number um so people can find links over there because I always forget them to put in the show notes but I think I can remember to put them over there just because logistically it's a bit easier and I'm a bit lazy um so we can find that though you can just go over to inspiredec.com slash blogs and uh and give it a look see so Nicole what are we let's do let's do indoor edition indoor environments first where do we start? What do we need to know? Let's jump in. Okay, so it, it, this is definitely the start. This was the first one that we did, and we're going to do a bit of a series on all kinds of different environments. So obviously, like are we going to be able to talk about them on the podcast too? Yes. Yes. Oh, Look, good. There's, there's podcast content for then I, to, <laughs> then I don't have to. Then I don't have to think about weird questions. <laughs> so I asked our team, um, and the reason it came about was because. Um, we often get asked like, oh, what what should I put in our infant room? And I've actually seen, um, so we kind of linger around in a few early childhood Facebook groups here in Australia. And while they can be a little bit scary sometimes, they're also good fodder for content and things to talk about. So um, one of the questions people often ask is, oh, what things, what activities can I set up in an infant room? And what mm-hmm. should I put in the room? And what play spaces should I set up? And so I asked our team and kind of got all of their input and put it into some kind of a list. And it's not a list in any order, um, but the things that we chose. So the first one was light, natural or gentle light. So sunlight where possible, you know, windows, doors, light, that sort of natural light, skylight. Um, But if you've got to have other lighting, then gentle lighting, so like lamps or fairy lights or um you know not the big harsh overhead fluorescent tubes that you see in shopping centers 
or like uh like back in the old like spotlights um yeah. i'm thinking like a, a 1952 movie premiere and they've got those those big spotlights and they're shining up in the in the sky and and yeah, uh, you don't you don't want those no spotlights in the infant room probably right. huh natural yeah. light where possible if you can't have natural light if your space is dark and you need a bit of light gentle light so that's the first one Second one is scarves and fabric. So like all kinds of fabric, different shapes, different sizes, different textures, different colors, different weights, all of those sorts of things. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, easy to, easy to manipulate. You can cover yourselves up with it. You can grasp it. You can crumple it. You can, you can stretch it out. You can, you can, you're probably, if you're a baby, you're probably not gonna, gonna choke yourself out with a hunk of fabric. That's very unlikely. Very um, unlikely. You can you can put the little you can put the end in your mouth and uh, and uh, gum it. Uh, you can you can do you can take the edge you can rub it against your cheek and fall asleep. Um, you can you can you can get oh 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 boy you can do the thing where you where you where you hold it between you got you got oh you got cute little toes and your little piggies are out and you got it got the fabric between your toes and you you're holding yeah. it and crumpling it with your toes and oh, all kinds of good stuff to do with fabric all kinds of good stuff to do with fabric so fabric's just an easy one and even as an educator you know like the ability to kind of play games with a piece of fabric or a scarf or something with little ones like those kind of peekaboo games and sure you know cover yourself up or hide behind it or you know like just those really simple connection kind of things so that's a really easy one um the third one balls and things that roll so not necessarily just balls but things that roll um so again all different shapes and size well shapes they're usually round so that's pretty most, most rolling things are, mostly, are some version of round. They're, gonna, they're gonna roll they're usually round um so but i'd maybe get them with like the knobbly bits on them or spiky kind oh, of yeah they've got all kinds texture, of textures yeah there's um, like eggs egg that that egg that overly egg shape isn't really round but it rolls exactly. so yeah probably don't yes. want eggs not probably real eggs probably not a good idea no, I feel like there'd be a little bit of mess with that, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. But but different shapes and sizes and things that you can roll with them. So like your older kind of infants in your space, like, you know, whether it's pipes or tubes or things that they can kind of roll balls down. I know down at our um, Timbernook site uh, that children love, we've got like a whole heap of pipes and we've also got macadamia nuts Um that fall on the ground and they love rolling the macadamia nuts down the pipes. Sure. And that, that's a good couple of hours of entertainment. Yeah. And that, that rolly stuff is when uh, those infants are starting to, to get mobile, they, they, they're laying on their bellies and they've got a little ball in front of them and, and they push it a little bit in front of them with their little fingers and then they scooch forward to reach it. And then they push it again and they scooch forward again to get it. And uh, pretty soon you got uh, you got little humans that are that are locomoting on, the on their own. I've actually got a video of my middle child doing that. Um, she was probably about I don't know, maybe six months old or something, and she was chasing a balloon around the house. And we've got um, timber floors, and so they're quite 
shiny and slippery and so every time she'd get to the balloon it'd kind of like slide off the floor and so Mm -hmm. it'd go that little bit further and she went nearly the whole way around the house and she wasn't crawling before that but it was just that chasing that thing that was kind of rolling and moving along so yeah that's a nice easy prompt I suppose for supporting those physical developments what about Um, what about bowling balls oh would you put a bowling ball in an infant room I'd put a bowling ball I'd probably be hesitant to put a bowling ball quite heavy quite heavy and on small fingers and toes I'd probably lay off a bowling ball would you put a bowling ball in I think I would because I don't think it would get moving with enough momentum that it would roll over little fingers and toes because it was so big and it would it would it would be a slowly moving kind of thing and it would be a different size a challenge yeah i think when you're when you're getting kind of mobile and you're getting up on your hands and knees not walking yet um i might i might yeah, i can maybe like there's, balls. there's some potential there i think you'd think about it it depends yeah. on the children you've got and i mean what the hell yeah. else are you going to do with a bowling ball this is true you could probably go bowling but <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah <laughs> Yeah, you could you could probably use you could probably multitask with your bowling ball when you I mean you get together with your your bowling league your bowling team yeah. once uh how often week I don't know. month <laughs> I, yeah I don't know um, I don't I see, it just seems to me that bowling balls have a lot of downtime um they probably do yeah a lot yeah. of time just sitting on a rack or sitting in a bag yeah there's that how many how many balls how many balls have custom how many balls have custom bags? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's pretty much bowling balls, just right? For that. Yeah. Well, yeah, bowling balls for like ten pin bowling, but then also, is that what it's called there? Do you call it ten pin bowling, or is it just? Bowling? I think it's just bowling. I think it's just. What bowling. about like bowls for lawn bowls? Do you play lawn bowls? Um, I mean, somebody probably does. It's a big place, but I don't. <laughs> They're like the tinier version, but yeah weighted on one side and but they have a special bag too oh so it's only huh hey listeners listeners if you know of any special ball bags um <laughs> let me know over at playhaven <laughs> myplayhaven.com um like to know more about that so moving on from balls and things that roll um okay number four ref- mirrors and reflective items why do we want that crap? They love seeing themselves. <laughs> they love seeing themselves. It's, and it's interesting. It's interesting to see, you know, that reflection in the mirror. But I, I think we put it, um, so we did a, wrote a book a couple of years ago um, on infant and toddler practice. And that we actually put it in our book because that, sense of connection and the sense of identity and self and you know all that sort of stuff that can be developed from being able to see yourself in a mirror um you know is such a valuable opportunity and a lot of children probably get it at home maybe I don't know we've got um mirrors on our built-in wardrobes and so my babies as infants all spent a lot of time face to face with the mirror just and the dog does now too so you know everybody can enjoy it 
Yeah, yeah. We in our infant rooms back in my center days, we had had low mounted wall mirrors just for that purpose and once they start getting mobile that seemed to be a destination point uh for 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 little pre-walkers they just scooch and scooch and wiggle over over there for for that that interaction with themselves but it's also it's also a visual kind of thing the 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 reflections and and the the movement of light and the and the shapes and And seeing here's this thing I'm seeing it in, in in real life over here. But in I guess the reflection is also real life. But um, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. You're seeing it's just you're that seeing, spark of curiosity and yeah, like, where is this thing and where's that thing and why does it look like there's two of those and you yeah, know, like it is. It's just curiosity and wonder. So having having them on the wall on the floor, mobile. Um, and it's also they give some place for that uh, for that gentle lighting to bounce around too, um, yeah. and so if you get if you got that har- got harsh lighting in in the room, it it kind of you get a lot of glare on these mirrored surfaces and everything, and it can get kind of a little bit. I mean, a bright room becomes overly bright when you add add mirrors to it. But if you got the gentle lighting and the mirrors and reflective surfaces, it's kind of kind of a, a much more pleasant space. Yeah, we um used to have at our office, and I don't know if we've still got them, but they're balls, so it ties in the ball thing and also mirrors. They're reflective balls, so they're kind of silver, but reflection like a mirrored surface, but they're also lightweight, so they're easy for children to move around. And they came, there was like different sizes. So there was kind of bowling ball size, but then there was down to kind of, you know, maybe a, cricket ball size or a baseball sort of size and so there was varied sizes and you know like they were just there and children could use them however they wanted to okay look how about we combine a couple of these should every indoor infant space have a disco ball hanging from the ceiling because then you have you have a ball you have a reflective surfaces and uh, and that gentle lighting is bouncing mm-hmm. around on there. So you're combining these, and uh, um, I think I think that needs to be a thing. I so think that uh, is a thing, yeah. Oh, so listeners, uh, if you're looking for an inspired EC branded disco ball, head over to inspiredec.com/shop. <laughs> No, I think that'd be cool. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have to check that out on Amazon. I, I, I'm betting you can get them pretty cheap, and they're yeah, absolutely. Hey, listeners, if you have a disco ball in your infant room or any place else in your early learning program, I want to know about it. Hit me up over at myplayhaven.com. Um, I want to see a be, photo. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I think so. That refraction of light and yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, it'd come in handy for staff parties. What could do, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. number five. So we've done the first four. Number five is places to sit and connect. So that's things like lounges or couches, um, armchairs, rocking chairs, cushions, hammocks. Um, I was in an infant service once a couple of years ago and they had um like mattresses on the floor that were covered in this beautiful fabric with you know some nice cushions and whatever and they just became a place for crawling and sitting 
and connecting and adults could sit there children could sit there like it was just that space to connect hammocks hammock chairs um where else is a rocking chair count yeah i love a rocking chair we used to have one actually when i was in a toddler room and i spent lots of time in the rocking chair with various children (laughs) it was a really good place to be Oh, we, we really, we, we just got some new, uh, some new chairs for the, uh, the patio here at the snuggery and, uh, it convinced Tasha we needed, we needed rocking chairs. So, uh, we had yeah. rocking chairs and, uh, um, feel like an old guy sitting out on the patio, I was gonna say. My, sipping, sipping my tea, thinking about weird, would you rather questions and, uh, yep. and, and rocking. Um, so, uh, so I'm, uh, <laughs> Now, now, if somebody walked by and handed me an infant, I'd be like, "Hey, hey, buddy, want to connect?" And uh, yeah, we can connect in this we'd have, a, chair. we'd have a place to do that, so that'd be great. Yeah. Um, hope that doesn't happen. I don't think but, I've got time. probably, yeah. but something I have seen, you know, I have been in a lot of infant spaces, and sometimes I, they don't have places for adults to sit with sure. children. And some the the logic around that, from what I hear, is oh, we don't want our educators to be sitting down. They're supposed to be doing things. And I'm like, but sometimes you just need to sit down with an infant. Like they need you to sit down. And, you know, or a family member needs to come in and sit down with an infant. Or, you know, like it's, I don't don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I don't want to jump too far into the future listeners, but after Nicole and I finish up these two episodes on infant environmental essentials, we're going to go back to our, our sensory series and we're going to do an episode about the sense of touch. And one of the reasons that those places to sit and connect are so important is because it, it is, there are places that provide that physical human to human contact and, uh, and that, that sense of touch for infants especially is, is vital. And those, those sitting cozy places tend to be where, where those interactions happen. So they are essential. Absolutely. So they're a definite essential. All right, everything on this list is essential. Um, so what am I up to? Number six, treasure baskets and heuristic play items. So um, I don't know, so many people get caught up with what toys we need in an infant space and they've got, you know, yeah. the plastic pop-up does this thing once and then once you've mastered it, that's it. And I think that's what I love about treasure baskets and heuristic play is that there is no end point. There's no right way to play. There's open-ended materials that provide sensory input that provide opportunities for children to explore in completely different ways and it's easy you know it's literally a low sturdy basket that you fill with items of different texture and size and shape and smell and you know all those kinds of bits and pieces that work in favor of the senses and that's it they explore with them like it's really really easy I don't understand why that's not the go-to yeah yeah and and for listeners that are unsure about heuristic play um it is basically the the fiddling with stuff i mean it's it's it's, i always say it's like loose parts play for babies like you know when we talk about treasure baskets that's loose parts play for babies like it's your open-ended could be anything do what you want with it explore play 
Like it's yeah, it's just it, yeah, it's just the exploring of the material itself, and mm. and it's it's absolutely going on in, in with infants and toddlers, but even older kids when they're introduced to a a new thing for the for the first time, they'll they'll explore the physicality of it, bef- and uh, and and before they figure out before they do a pl- before they do a play with it, yeah. they get to know <laughs> the material. <laughs> before you can do a play with something you've got to kind of figure out what it is and and uh and get an idea of of its properties before you figure out how to how you can incorporate it into into what you're doing and so that that exploration is heuristic play yeah and it just you know there's so much opportunity for children to revisit and to play in different ways there's you know the level of play affordance that treasure baskets and heuristic play provides is so much different to your plastic Fisher Price pop up piece of crap. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you gotta avoid that. <laughs> going on going on the Fisher Price website and and searching for the uh the plastic piece of crap. Um, plastic piece of crap. Well you'll find plenty. Does, it, does I... that look like a poop emoji or what? <laughs> Something like that. Okay. okay. Number seven. Boxes of various shape and size. There's a theme here. There's lots of various shape and size, um, but boxes. So what kind of boxes? Cardboard boxes? Every, wooden every boxes? kind of box. Any kind of box. Um, cardboard boxes are great because they can be anything and you can pull them apart. And when they're wrecked, you put them in the recycle bin. And, but, you know, like fridge boxes, microwave boxes, shoe boxes, like doesn't matter, any kind of box. Except Pandora's box, um, because I've got a feeling if you've got Pandora's box in your infant room, one of those little fuckers is going to want to going to crawl open over and, and open it up, and and uh, the world is messed up enough. We don't need we don't need Pandora's <laughs> box open in some infant room because because look, who is least prepared to uh, to deal with unleashing the contents of Pandora's box on the world than a bunch of infants. I mean, they're not going to yeah. be prepared. So uh, nice so a wide variety of boxes, no Pandora's box though. I think you, you might want to go go amend your article. I should probably, I should probably amend that just that in case. For people, just in case. <laughs> just in case. In case people aren't sure. But so, yeah, boxes, boxes are easy to source, you know, like you can put out a request to families. Can we have your old boxes? You will be inundated with boxes. Yeah. Um, and they're just easy. Like I've, I've, I'm yet to meet a child who doesn't enjoy a box. Even now, my eight and 10 year old, if they see me unpack a box at home or, you know, like there's a box at empty cereal box or like it doesn't matter what kind of box, especially my eight year old, she's like, can I have that box? What are you doing with that? And I'm like, what are you doing with that? <laughs> because it can't, becomes all sorts of interesting things. But the other week I watched her make a robot out of boxes and, you know, other sure. recycled things. And, you know, just watching what children can do with a box, you know, it can be anything. It can be whatever they want it to be. So I think as far as infants go, that's a really easy play option. Yeah, I, I love it when infants uh, scooch themselves either forward intentionally or backwards. On because you know they some of them go through that stage where they're trying to go forward, but they go backwards instead. Back. Uh, yeah. That have 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 back crawled into into boxes and found themselves uh, uh, boxed up. I think yeah. that's great. 
<laughs> also, boxes are one of the only things I miss about not having a cat because uh, oh. because cats like boxes so much. And I, I love do. just putting a putting a box on the floor and waiting for a cat to come and sit in it. That was that was maybe that's something I can do in my rocking chair. I was just <laughs> going to say, maybe you can do that outside. You can put a box outside and wait for a cat to come in it. There, there, there is a cat that I, I, I know, I know of the cat. Um, don't know if it would like a box, but that might be an experiment I do this winter to, to entertain myself and keep from thinking should. about annoying questions. Okay. So boxes. Okay. I dig that one. What else we got? Okay. Number eight is soft, but steady flooring. So we, in a, a lot of early childhood services, I know here in Australia, mostly our flooring surfaces indoors now are um, like hard surfaces. They're mm -hmm. kind of, a lot of them are like the floating timber floors. So they're not, you know, hardwood floors. Like I've got hard floors, but they're that floating timber laminate kind of flooring. So they're still hard. Um, so we need to, and hard flooring is kind of good in that, it's steady underfoot. So if you're learning to walk, it's a steady surface, but you also need soft because, well, we spend a lot of time as infants toppling over. <laughs> so yeah. some, some rugs or, you know, some sort of different surfacing indoors can make a bit of a difference, but we don't want it to be too soft that it's squishy that it then makes it really hard. Yeah. You want, you want stable, stable footing, but you want to, you want to, kind of cut down on the bumps and bruises when you take your yeah. first steps um yeah so although the i mean those and the surfaces i mean i think a lot of the surfacing in early learning programs um is selected for the because it's utilitarian for adults it's easy yeah. to clean it's, easy to, it's clean. easy to sanitize uh someone throws uh, up on it you can mop that up really easily <laughs> yeah yeah but uh not necessarily always child friendly so i think those soft yeah. surfaces should they have um the alphabet and uh, numbers and bright colors no no why why would you do that um no 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 i mean that's a whole other topic altogether you know <laughs> of in indoor environments is whether they should be you know, 45 different colors and have alphabets plastered all over them and no they should not and we know that infants you know thrive on kind of contrast and you know like they need I'm not all for let's have a beige world because I think some early childhood services go too far and everything's like beige and neutral and it's like we don't need that we need color in our life but we've got to be mindful of how we use it and what its purpose is like what's the purpose of having you know colorful alphabet on the floor in an infant room yeah who does that serve like it doesn't serve anybody it it Except impresses the parents hand. because they think their baby's getting smart oh my baby's learning look at my baby my and baby that's... just rolled across the abc so she must be smart and smart now <laughs> i just saw her roll out dog like a ouija like, board she's gifted <laughs> It is like a Ouija board. Look, she can <laughs> like spell. Oh, dear. But that's where we as educators can advocate for not having that shit in our faces. Sure, sure. So um, what's next? Okay, number nine is opportunities for sensory exploration. So not just water and paint, but things like, and we're going to talk about this 
we are starting to talk about it in our sensory series. Um, but, you know, things that allow for sensory input with all of the senses. Um, so even, for example, like the proprioceptive sense, you know, be, children being able to jump, roll, crash, you know, like you're looking at your older infants. So an infant room might have, you know, birth to two-year-olds. You're an 18-month-old and they're seeking out that kind of sensory input. They need to be able to do that whether you're indoors or outdoors. So, yeah. you know, they need spaces for that and the ability to do that. So lots of opportunities for sensory exploration. Yeah, gotta 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 integrate all those all all eight sensory systems so their little yeah. brains work the way they're supposed to. And then number ten, the last one we had was timber blocks. Um, and it wasn't about having an abundance of blocks or a big large construction area, but you know just enough that they can stack or bang or fill and empty. But your timber basic timber blocks. The um, timber blocks, wooden blocks. Yes. Okay. Same deal. I, yeah I, okay um yeah so just keep it simple they don't need yeah. to be a lot they don't need to be brightly colored they just need to be basic wooden blocks yeah because that's the i mean look that's a that's a go-to early learning thing um mm. and uh and look blocks are fucking delightful so i, I like that they are list. Delightful, but we also need to have realistic expectations about what infants will do with blocks they will push them over they will tip them out they will you know like they're not going to sit and build towers and rockets like their exploration with blocks is completely different and you know i think we need to need to have realistic expectations they will put them in their mouths they will they will try to stick them up their noses they will Mm -hmm. um yeah they may hit somebody over their head with it they will throw them maybe on purpose, maybe accidentally. Um, yeah. And that's that's okay as well. So I think that's a good list of 10. I was thinking as you're going through this, are you in the series you're working on um, after you do a list of 10 essentials for infants and I assume toddlers and you're going to do all of that, are you going to do a list of, of 10 no-goes for Ooh, each one of those spaces? I should, yes. 10, don't bother. Don't waste your time. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. waste your time. Don't put this stuff in the space. That's a great idea. Yeah, I just wrote I, that down. I think uh, I think one of mine would be baby swings. I'd get rid of. I wouldn't have oh, the baby yeah. swings. Um, I think that that might be a that might be a fun thing to generate. And and Come I think the it. series are going to be great. I can't wait to talk about more of them. I'm a bit upset and bitter that I didn't think of it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I came up with the tongue thing. So, uh, yeah, well, that's right. There's yeah, that. So that's, uh, you know, um, yours seems a little bit more useful, but, you know. Perhaps not as entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, I don't know if the tongue thing was even that entertaining, but uh, it did fill a couple minutes of podcast. Any final thoughts about these before we wrap up? No, that's it. No, just I stay tuned for the rest. Yeah, and Nicole, she got there's some some nice pictures over on the uh, the actual blog post, and again, inspiredec.com slash blogs, and there is a search function there, so you can find it. And I'll try to post the link someplace where you can find it too to go with this episode. This here, this here has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast that cares about your infant environments. Back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. There we go.
This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.